Hello, and welcome to Ball Leadership. I'm Colin Cooler, and along with my co-host, Kavis Reed, we're dedicated to discussions of leadership. We hope to coach, inspire, and encourage leaders in their development and help them move to the next level. We explore entertaining conversations about the challenges, learnings, ups and downs, and fundamentals of leadership. Our guest today is Senator Pamela Waller, international television journalist, entrepreneur, author, corporate executive, international diplomat. We have a hilarious discussion on character and more core. Character trumps genius, right? So you can be the smartest person in the room. But if you are not kind, if you are not decent, if you are not fair, if you are not empathetic, if you can't give when others are in need, then all the brains are for naught. Senator Pamela Wallen. Uh, is honorable. Am I supposed to say honorable? Yeah, you're supposed to say <laughs> Queen of Sheba. That's what you're supposed to say. It's <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you have 14 doctors. Yeah, I will. Like, how in the world do you get 14 doctors? <laughs> They're honorary. Right? Okay, so I don't practice medicine. I am not a lawyer. Laugh with us and learn with Senator Pamela Wallen. Hi, hi, Kavis. How are you? Hello. Great. Well, before you get, let, let me introduce you, Kavis, to, to uh, Senator Pamela Wallen. Uh, it, it's honorable. Am I supposed to say honorable? Yeah, you're supposed to say <laughs> Queen of Sheba. That's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> let, 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 let me just say I've watched her for years so there is no introduction to <laughs> it's an honor thank you so very much oh no this would be fun anticipating this for weeks <laughs> we're done we're ready. I mean, we're not done. We're just beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was... Um, yeah, so so Kavis, I don't know if you had any of the weather that that we had, but we had another Saskatchewan. I can't even call it a winter day because it was no, it, it was it, it snow was, was like raining. crazy. It was raining. You couldn't and see it, anything. No, it was it was nuts. <laughs> Truly nuts. It, it, it rained. It snowed. It blew like eighty kilometers an hour. Yeah, it was just and crazy. then it got sunny, and then yeah. it got and then it rained again. And yeah. then it froze. And then it froze. I just had to drive to the little town that's close, and that was sort of at 80 clicks. And then when we're done this, I've got to go into Wadena, and then tomorrow I drive to Saskatoon. But I'm hoping they'll have one more day to just, like, clean. So that, but Clear we're going to get black yeah, ice. Yeah, yeah. Highway south of, uh, was it Humboldt? Yeah. Wow. And, well, um, on Highway 5, so uh, that's... And that's, so... Yeah. So you've got a fun trip ahead of you. Yeah. So and then I can so wait I, again um, to be delayed. It takes me two days now to get to Ottawa. Do you ever get? Do, do I what? Well, you get. Do your bags show up? Do, do your bags I never show give up? Them or, bags. Or, or I never just you? give them bags. I never give them bags. You're brilliant. You are brilliant <laughs> because. I can Clearly, go to I'm a fool. <laughs> no, no bags. Uh, yeah, clearly I'm a fool because yeah, I, I, I'll give them my bags and then I'm That's sitting there wondering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, um, well, first of all, welcome to welcome to our show. 
Welcome I'm to our show, I'm very glad Scott. to be here. Uh, I'm very glad to be here. We should have done this yesterday. I've, I've already got my first complaint. What? Oh, yeah, it would have been a great day. Yeah, we would have locked inside, couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. But um, I, I, my, first, my first event, though, uh, because we usually start off telling stories. <laughs> but you notice that there's actually a, there, there's a dress code or at least a hair code. That, that there's a hair code. <laughs> there's a reason why we call it bald. There's a hair code. I refuse to participate in that part of this. I just puffed up my hair just to make the two of you really jealous. Uh, I am like jealous. Her. I have to admit. If, if, yeah, if I had hair, I would do. I would do all sorts of things. I'd color it. I would do. I would do all sorts of things. Okay, hair, just puffing for um, you. That's it. But but yours yours looks fantastic. <laughs> well, I kind of like this ball so look. For 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 those just. Well, you know, somebody was asking me, and uh, Kavis, I don't know if I should, I was at a restaurant a couple weeks ago, and um, uh, the, the, one of the management, the owners there, was somebody that I knew, but I hadn't seen for like 10, 15 years. Yeah. And uh, they came by the table, and uh, and first thing they said, Colin, like, you look so young. <laughs> and, you know, of course, it was all the lotion that I, that I, that I use on a daily basis, because when... When, when you're when you don't have a lot of hair, yeah. See, okay, but so that was that was, was the thing. That was the thing. On your so, head. you literally have to put lotion well, on yeah. your head. Yes, yes, wow. yes. Okay, yes. yes. That that's a yes. lot of work. The dryness will become a major issue. It's a lot it of work. Might be easier it's to work. Do this. It's work. It might be a lot easier to do this. <laughs> so it, there, there's a lot of work to look as beautiful as we do. <laughs> well, at least it takes a lot of lotion, and you know it could be all sorts. Uh, thank you. I have I have body butter. I have shea shea okay, okay. cocoa shea butter something. E M I. Oh gosh. Well. Um, I don't know where you're going. So, for those who are, who are just listening, and yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> for, for those just listening, in, uh, welcome to Bald Leadership. Uh, today, today's our, our guest is the Honorable Senator Pamela Wallen. <laughs> and for those that don't know who 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 she who she is, there would be something wrong with you if you didn't know who she was. But but for those who may not know, I'll I'll, I'll I will still be be kind enough to uh, uh, to try. first of all, Pamela's from Saskatchewan. So uh, that's the first thing. And uh, Kavis, I realize you're not from half of, but we, we can forgive Kavis because his wife's from Saskatchewan. Okay. He married a Saskatchewan girl. You're in. So, you get to stay. So, yes. Yeah. I was I, smart enough. Yeah. I was smart Sometimes enough. I have to explain why we're friends, but it, it's okay because his wife's from here. But, and... Uh, Amongst other things, being a senator, I mean, you've been a diplomat. You've you've obviously been in, in broadcasting. You started yeah. your own your own broadcasting company. Been on boards several. And but the thing that really impressed me, and um, uh, is the fact that you have fourteen doctorates. 
Yeah, I will. Like, how in the world do you get 14? (laughs) They're honorary, right? Okay, so I don't practice medicine. I am not a lawyer. Um, But it is a... (laughs) It is very nice gesture that um, universities across this country have, have done that. I, I was a chancellor at the University of Guelph, um, and I, I really feel that that's one of the most important places in our world. This is not to say that we don't need people with actual real-life skills and trades, because we really, really do. But universities are important places for thinking. And, um, you know, I get worried about some of the stuff I see on campus these days, but, but overall, I think it's, um, I grew up in a family, my mother had to go back to university in middle age because she was a teacher and she wanted to become a principal. They weren't going to let a woman become a principal anyway, so it didn't matter. But I grew up with that notion that education is the most important thing. So even though there are they are honorary. I cherish all 14 of them. And then, you know, then I've got an honors BA that I actually got myself. But, you know, that and 50 cents, right? <laughs> Won't even get to public college. <laughs> well, I, well, I was kind of hoping with, with 14 you might split a couple with, with, with Kate. Just one. Nope. Just one. Nope. <laughs> I, nope. I, I, it, it was, I'm keeping I them all. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's like I, I was like I mean I, I knew about I knew about the other degrees I knew um, I knew about the University of Guelph um, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know about a few other things and then um, Cavis you know uh, Senator Wallen spoke for me for um, uh, for the construction sector we hosted a leadership yeah. conference and you were a part of that uh, as well yeah. Cavis on a different day but Center spoke, and uh, and then you had didn't you say that you'd also worked in corrections for a bit, like for a day one or of something? My, <laughs> one of my very first jobs out of university was to be work for a government body called Human Resources Development Agency. But my job was being a social worker in the Prince Albert Penitentiary, where the um, fellow who was the uh, in charge basically they have a title um, anyway he just basically said you're a hostage incident waiting to happen uh, but let's give it a shot and <laughs> and it worked out really well I mean compared to newsrooms and the House of Commons and the Senate you know that was a pretty safe spot uh, so, so that was it was a, <laughs> It was an interesting insight into life and humanity and what matters. So I always, I cherish that time because you learn a lot doing that stuff. You also learn that everybody that's in jail is innocent. Oh. Um, and, but, but, but you get that, right? <laughs> so we, we have hope. Yeah, we, we have hope, Gabe. It's just in case it happens. Yeah, we have hope. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Colin, I, I really love the fact that uh, right away, to, uh, Senator, you spoke about your time at the University of Guelph, and I don't want to veer up the topic, but one of the things I want to ask about, you said it's a place for thinkers. Are yeah. universities and our educational systems creating leaders today? Uh, I don't think they're doing that particularly um, 
well, uh, I'm not sure anybody sees that as their job except when you get into advanced uh, levels. Um, and you see it in business schools more than other places, obviously. But I think um, it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword. I mean, you can't be a leader unless you have a basic skill set. You have to understand not just the business you're in, but you have to understand people. And so you're going to get a lot of that socialization and maybe some context. You know, what, what I find about, and this is truer in, in journalism schools as well, that, you know, it, you can go and teach people the skills of reading and writing and, and turning videos on and off, but journalism or any other kind of um, career, you need to be well-rounded. You need to have read books uh, you need to have wrestled with math problems that you couldn't uh, deal with. You needed to think about science. And all you have to do is look around, and having gone through the pandemic, you know, if, if we all had a little bit more basic knowledge uh, under our belt, we'd, we'd cope better, right? We would think about the consequences of our actions a little better. So I, I think it's hard to teach leadership in that sense, um, but you're giving people the information they need to be smarter leaders should they get there. Yeah, and in theory and in practice, uh, I harken back to the many moons ago I was in university, and the yeah. biggest uh, aspect of university that I took away is not the, the sciences, but it's the interaction with the multicultures, yeah. uh, the ability to oh, – I, sure. I grew up in a, in a very almost segregated world. And university expanded my world a hundredfold. And yeah. learning, uh, my roommate was from Japan my second year. Uh, my roommate yeah. was from uh, Georgia my first year. My roommates were from different parts of the world and country. Exactly. And yeah. I wonder if there can be more of a concerted effort to allow students and engage other cultures to really be more versatile and more yeah. informed. Yeah, I think universities are doing that. I mean, they're trying with limited, limited resources, like we all understand that, that this is a problem, but they're doing exchanges uh, now. That was, uh, I did one of those things when I was in university. When I first went, I was, I decided, even though I was born and raised in Wadena, Saskatchewan, um, I decided I was going to be a French teacher, okay? So... I'd never heard the word spoken before, but I was intrigued. I found a book is actually what happened that was in French, and I thought this was so exotic. Um, but then I went and spent a summer in France learning about their form of government in France, which is obviously different than ours, uh, and, and had to do it in French, to do it in another language. So the kids I was with were from all over the world, and I a thousand percent agree with you because spending time with those people we're all trying to communicate with each other in French even though it was only first language for a handful and we just learned so much about ourselves and about a sense of humor and being humble and you know mispronouncing the words and asking dumb questions and I think all of that is is uh, really what the learning process is about. But exposure to other cultures, other people, other languages, other colors. Like my first boyfriend when I went to university in Regina, and I'd grown up, as I said, in a small town, my first boyfriend was Jewish. And 
I'd never met somebody who was Jewish before. So, and then we went to Montreal, where his family was from, and I was going to a women's conference because that was, you know, it was very militant then. And of course, I went to stay with his house. <laughs> at his house. I used the wrong cutlery. I they had to take it back and get it all re, you know, like. So you know, you learn those things along the way. It's all part of the education process. <laughs> Well, you, you, you said a couple things. I mean, uh, as we've yet an opportunity for uh, us to talk is, and the really focus of why we hold this particular podcast is really to, to engage other leaders either you know, yeah. across the country or, or throughout North America when the opportunities. But it, it's really about helping all of us move through this journey of developing into yeah. leaders and, and enhancing our leadership ability. But also folks who are starting out in leadership very, very young. You, you know, yes, you, you exactly. could see it on playgrounds where the it seems like there's the Pied Piper uh, right. that everybody wants to follow and, and to understand, well, how do we turn that and affect our world over the long run? And, and um, a lot of the things that you just talked about there, um, you know, getting the foundations yeah. is really important. And a lot of us, and, and including myself, um, really felt that I had to move quickly, that, that getting leadership was, was needed to be a fast ride. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I listened to uh, one of your podcasts on the uh, yeah. No Nonsense yeah. <laughs> podcast. And um, Michelle Romano Every, had said, had Everybody said, has this to is, be involved on that so podcast, too. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. So we've made well, Michelle it. Michelle Romano, I won't, I won't but, interrupt. Michelle said, like, yeah. <laughs> she, she had said, you know, you can't take the elevator, you have to take the stairs. Yeah. Right? It's not a it's not a quick trip to really develop into strongly like there is a there's a step by step, a grind, a lot of effort, um, time. And for a lot of us, we weren't necessarily taught all those things. We just you know, we saw Braveheart or something and thought we just yeah. get on a horse and and um, <laughs> say a few words and suddenly we're leaders. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, you've had the opportunity to see a, a lot of people through the years, and, and I, so I'm, I'm wondering, would you have any further thoughts? And, and I'm particularly about what Michelle had said, but it was really immediately applied to developing as a leader. And yeah, you can't take the elevator; you got to take the stairs. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really, really. I mean, it's so simple, but it's so profound, right? I mean, it, you just stop and think about it. There's no shortcut. You know, and and she talked about it, and I always talk about this that that, that one of the best teachers is failure, because we learn that way, right? You you try something, or you think you can lead or be the boss in some situation, and then someone looks at you and says, "Okay, that was really stupid," you know, uh, or you know, you really made me angry, or what? <laughs> so you've got to go through that, you know, you've got to go through it so that the lesson is really learned, but. But my, like, I will give my mother and father more credit than, than any of the formal education I've had anywhere on, the, on this is that they taught me, and, and I've got the phrase for it, they never said these words, but character trumps genius, right? So you can be the smartest person in the room. But if you are not kind, if you are not decent, if you are not fair, if you are not empathetic, if you can't give when others are in need, then all the brains are for naught. And that's a really important balancing act to success and, and 
even taken the stairs, um, when you get to the top of that stairs, you still have to balance uh, who you are and how you treat people. So those things have to work in tandem. And, and obviously, your journey has been one that has been uh, much declarated, but people don't see the challenges that you've had to face to get yeah. to where you are and the continual journey. What would you say are some of the foundational leadership principles that have allowed you to navigate all the obstacles that you've you've had to overcome? Um, first and foremost, and I, this is no surprise, moral core. Like, you have to know if that that everything you do, <laughs> um, and especially in this day and age, is going to be um, subject to criticism or exposure. You know, it's like the old don't say anything and a quote off the record conversation that you don't want on the front page of the newspaper, right? Because there's there's none of that. So I think you just have to come from a from that core, which is is what I'm doing right or wrong. And we all know really what right or wrong is. So if you know um, that what you're doing is the best you can do and that it's the right thing to do and it's an important thing to do, then if people stand in your way or try to undermine you or fire you or make up stuff about you that isn't true, you, you can always go to that place inside, which is, I know what I did. I know whether I was right or wrong. I know whether I did the right thing. And so you just, if you've got that, and that comes obviously from our early life for those of us who are lucky enough to have had some good structure and and some good parenting but you can also develop that right you can also develop that because it can be it can be situational in that sense what is the right thing to do in a certain circumstance might not always be the right thing to do but you you know so you've got to have that flexibility you can't just right. be yeah so I don't know. I think I think you know, moral core and confidence and and the character trumps genius. You know those are, and take the stairs. All of those things. These are things you have to practice every day. I mean, you don't get up in the morning and say, "Gee, I'm going to think about," you know, how character trumps genius. You it it has to become part of you so that it is your reaction. It is how you deal with the world, not some kind of you know, um, semi-conscious act, because then you've got no, then then you lose the authenticity part. And and if people don't believe you, they sure as hell won't trust you. No. We've spent a fair bit of time talking about that uh, element of uh, that authenticity. Yeah. Um, it it comes up over and over again, and 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 the risks that that come with being authentic and, and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, um, and, and you know that we kind of have to weigh that. Kate and I have conversations about having to weigh that in, in the calculus. That is it worthwhile being that because sometimes the world will tell you something different. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and it can present itself that way, yeah. especially in the days of social media. Yeah, no, no. I think we're into a whole new what, era. What's your you have thoughts on that? Well, I, I, you know, look, I, I use social media. I think, uh, I think social media is a very valuable tool, um, and I think that we need to 
educate uh, ourselves and certainly the younger people in our lives about the implications that, that all the, the kids, you know, the people under 20 that I know have no, they know no other life, right? So when you say be careful about the information right. you put on screen, they go, what's the difference? Everybody knows everything anyway. They can hack you and track you and so they don't worry about that, right? Where I, of my generation, am still saying, oh, my God, you know, I, I don't want to say that online because somebody will know. Uh, but, being a, <laughs> but being a public person, you also you look at it that way, that everything that you say is good. You know, somebody's going to dig up some tweet, some speech from 500 years ago and say, you know, um, and, what I, and the problem with social media and even... I'll put this in the political context, is that people should evolve and change their mind and have new thoughts and change their position on things. And and what we do is punish people for having a new thought. We say, they just did a 180. They, you know, they've had a, you know, the change of mind for political purposes. Right. When actually, in our own lives, we know this. You read something, you experience something, it changes you. So people change their, if the leopard just changes their spots a little bit, that should be a good thing, right? But we put in the, um, and social media really, you know, plays on that, which is you said this, you were that person, here's that picture of you, here's that comment from you. So that's the part I really hate about it, which is it kind of really exaggerates yeah. that. On the other hand, you know, I'm sitting out here at Fishing Lake and I've got access to anything I want to read and know, provided my technology is working, <laughs> okay. Um, and I can sit here and <laughs> educate myself, so I love it for that. And I, you know, like I happen to be an Elon right. Musk fan in this particular world because he's trying to go back to the basics, which is we have rules around hate and around defamation and uh, around racist hate and all of that. And then the rest of it, if if you're a free speecher, which I am, you know, um, then buck up. You're going to find stuff there that you disagree with that offends you. Then change the channel, right? Let's not censor everything so that we don't, you know, offend somebody because you're going to offend somebody anyway. So I hope we can get back with social media to a little bit more of that. And. and you know it, how it how it dovetails with the issue of being authentic. We, yeah. you know, we were talking about the the fear of of being an authentic self, mistakes right. and all, right? Yeah. All, all my warts and errors, the 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 errors I make about every seven minutes, and <laughs> yeah. as you know, and and um, with folks in our team, they could. I'm, I'm sure if you gave them a whiteboard, they would fill that up and yeah. start writing on the walls of all the things that right. I've messed up on. Or things that, hey, you said this last year, and now you said it different. Right. Well, I got new information. I got, exactly. I have deeper understanding, and and I stopped being an idiot. I, you know, <laughs> whatever. I got smarter. It is. Yeah. And, and like I yeah. just, I grew up in front of a television camera professionally, right? I started in radio, and then newspapers, and then television. So my life is kind of an open book, social media. <laughs> Or not, because I made a lot yeah, of my mistakes, yeah. uh, you know, live and in color on, on television. 
<laughs> you, 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 both of you brought up a point, and Colin, if yours is every seven minutes, mine is every three minutes. But uh, <laughs> you, both of you brought up the point about leadership. And when you look at it, Pamela, Colin, do you find that a lot of very well-qualified people are afraid to step in their leadership ring because they don't want the scrutiny that comes mm-hmm. from the instant tweet, the instant text? Because so many people, my grandfather said, if you walk in a room, 100 people, 20 of them are going to dislike you just because. <laughs> They're yeah. not going to even give you a chance. So don't worry about pleasing uh, everyone. But do you find that a lot of very qualified leaders are staying out of the arena because they don't want this social media criticism and being under that kind of scrutiny? Whereas in our generation, it was daily news. It was the newspaper. It wasn't right away instant opinion etc etc yeah well i think all i need to say is a couple of things like uh donald trump and hillary clinton uh 336 million people in the united states and those are the two they pick as the candidates uh to come forward with all of the baggage and all of the flaws no we do not have the a team aspiring to leadership i'll be a little more cautious about my own country because of everything that we're discussing here, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Peter, citizenship. So. <laughs> <laughs> you be careful, then. You be careful. Uh, no, I don't think we yeah, have yeah. the. <laughs> I don't think we have the A team in leadership in a lot of places for precisely what you say. They have baggage and they know it. Or even if they don't, somebody is going to make it up and they're going to wear it, right? Because you're in so many situations now with that, you're guilty until proven innocent, right? It's, it's the flip side of, of what, how the world is supposed right. to be. And, and it doesn't matter. The damage is done, right? So I don't think, you know, you still, you see people that, that even corporately, people who have the means to buy back their companies and take them private so that they don't have boards of directors and public accountability. And I don't think they're doing this because they're thieves and horrible people. I think they're doing it because they have trouble getting stuff done uh, with all of the scrutiny. And if it's your company, you kind of right. at a certain point say, you know what, that, I think I just would like to run it the way I believe it should be run. Um, so, and we, we see it a thousand percent in politics, which is, you know, you just, people have to really think about what they're going to subject their families to and and themselves and what will come next mm-hmm. in politics you might be there for four years if you win an election or or you don't know but if you've jeopardized any other than potential career um, because of your time there you know I'm I was interested I I haven't read it yet because I've got it in the office but um, Bill Morneau's book you know who went into as the finance minister He's independently wealthy beyond anything we can all understand here. And he chose public service and nothing but punishment for it. Like, I'm not, none of us are perfect. I'm not saying that. But you do that at great risk. And if you're independently wealthy, then it's fine if politics doesn't work out. But if you're not, it's not. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to follow up on that, I appreciate your, your honesty. To follow up on that, is there something that we can do to course correct this? Because I, I'm observing the same thing. Everyone says, can we get new people in the arena? Can we get new people in the arena? <laughs> if I'm a 25-year-old right now, 
why would I want to get into the arena? Yeah, you wouldn't. You you actually wouldn't. Um, and and that is a huge problem because. There's already um, a disconnect. I don't know if any of you saw this story last week. It was kind of an inside joke, but um, the Senate, in its wisdom, some days you really wonder who dreams this stuff up, decided that it was going to offer senators a course, a course in dealing with millennials, because a lot of us have millennials working for us because they're young, right? Got lots of energy. It was just so profoundly insulting um, that we would, to both ends, really, that that senators would need to have a course. (laughs) And and if you're a millennial going to work for a senator, you're going, what the hell is the matter with you people? Like, hello, I'm here. I have this Um, (laughs) What are you talking about me for? What what is (laughs) species of yeah, animals yeah. that we haven't quite discovered yet um, so you know we've, <laughs> we've got some real generational disconnects <laughs> as it is and it is on us well it's like the hinterland or something yes but what the hinterland and and that's kind of you know you have to be of a certain age even know what those little moments of black and white TV were like where oh this is a duck wow you know um, <laughs> to the hinterland to see one um, and and you know what okay now I'm going off on a tangent but but this disconnect not only generationally but but geographically the rural urban thing it is really it just sticks in my craw. <laughs> We had, you know, the in, the former environment minister was, you know, in all the discussions about the carbon tax and this and this and this said, look, you know, you've, we've got to live, you know, a, a green life and we've got to make And she said, I ride my bike to work every day on Parliament Hill. Okay, that's great. You live in the Glebe in Ottawa. I can't ride my bike to Wadena, Saskatchewan from Ottawa. And, you know... <laughs> We just have to be more sensible, you know, sensitive. Not everybody lives in downtown Toronto. Not everybody lives in Ottawa. And that is one of the real disconnects we've got in the world. Sorry, rant. Okay, Davis, <laughs> could you imagine having to uh, r- ride your bike to Macklin <laughs> on weekends to visit the family? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First of all, it might be in a better shape, but... <laughs> I gotta admit, I'm gonna tell you, I feel bad because I, I I lived in Ottawa for a while, and so the walks were wonderful. And I, that's an, a very interesting point because I, I was I do some work in human resources, and when we had a mm-hmm. project in a very small town, they identified a problem with unemployment. And I right. never thought about it as a big city Edmonton guy. They don't have daycare right. availability like we do in the city. If we think right. it's bad in the city, daycare is horrible in rural areas where there's so much distance that's separate. Non-existent. So yeah. the ability, as you talk about with leadership, to empathize and sympathize, but also have the discernment to hear both sides yeah. is critically important. And do you think that we have enough 
policymakers slash leaders that are willing to see that just an agenda is not as important as understanding. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the the flaw. And, uh, you know, I mean, this week we saw, you know, the, the Prime Minister um, uh, being, you know, there were protests and rallies in Hamilton and we won't use all the language and this and that. Um, and, and when interviewed about it and when asked, he, he basically said, it, he didn't take it personally because it didn't have anything to do with him. These people were just being stirred up by, you know, hate. And and you're going, no, no, it actually has everything to do with you. And the <laughs> same things happened to Prime Minister Harper and to Prime Minister Christian and to, you know, people get mad at the person that is the representation of that tone deafness um, that they are experiencing in their own life, right? That if you can... Even the the programs like daycare, you know, you, you get your subsidy if you go to an institution that that can receive the money and the subsidy. But you, if you're using Granny Smith across the street or Mrs. Jones, you know, next door to babysit, right. you, you don't qualify, right. right? So there's got to be, or or tell me that I must buy an electric car when I was just listening to this the other day. The one that performs the best is the Tesla. And it operates uh, to minus seven. Well, I don't know. It's like going to go to minus twenty nine tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah. I yeah. can't, you yeah. know. A, a, Welcome a, back to Saskatchewan again. Yeah, like an electric car is not going to work for me because if I go in the ditch, it shuts off and I freeze to death. Right? Um, there's nowhere to charge it. I mean, all I could go on and on. There are just. A million examples of that. It, it almost seems like deliberate tone deafness, but I also think that people are just so caught up in their own experience, right? That if you're the, if you if you're a rich kid that's gotten into politics, um, you know that that wasn't your experience. You didn't you didn't live in a small town. You didn't have those issues. So you have to do the work. You have to do the work as a leader. So that you yep. can hear that you yep. can't just tell everybody you're authentic. I mean, that's the most inauthentic thing that exists, right? You you actually have to feel <laughs> it and learn it. So yeah, I think it's a real problem. Thanks, and sorry to cut you off, Cavus. I, I look like you're going to ask the grip. Oh no, it, no. It, it, it was just you. You, you started on a piece. I, I had the word written down uh, here was relatability, and yeah. relatability. I had a question not not so much from um, uh, you know, my life experience being relatable to somebody else, but my ability to relate to somebody else's right. experience and learn from that. Yeah. You know, a, as a leader, political, business, social, exactly. I, I mean, it's a critical piece of, of being a leader, if whether you're leading a two-person shop or a 2,000-person right. organization or, or a country. And, and uh, it doesn't you know, mean... What are the things... I mean, you've, you've developed this. Yeah, no. I'm just saying what one of the Sorry, things. Go ahead. Like, I'm not. I'm not expecting everybody to come here and you know take the ice off my car every morning just so that they can figure out what minus twenty nine feels like. Um, but I do want them to think through that stuff and just say, ah, she comes from a different place, right? So how, like, what's her vantage point? They might not be able to see it. But you've at least got to stop and say, 
there is a different vantage point. There is a different life experience. And at least start there instead of saying, here's how we see the world and how we're going to solve all the world's problems. And if you don't agree with us, then you're wrong or you're, a, in this case, a climate denier or whatever. You know, we've got to give people room to be different. And, and that's the part. I mean, it, it goes right back to what Kavis was saying about, you know, your early days and your roommates. Like, that's how you learn because people are different than you are. They're different from you. And that's, and it, it, we can all learn from that. Yeah. And one of my biggest pet peeve, and Colin and I talk about this often, is w- with so much information available, we mm-hmm. seem to be very myopic in what yeah. we go, in the sources that we, we tap. And I think that is a big problem is everyone's competing for your attention and yeah. people have technology and, and certain media outlets that figure out a way of being so sensational that it touches you more emotionally and takes away yeah. your logic. And I think how do we combat that? How do we, how do we get people to start to understand that discourse mm-hmm. like on the university uh, campuses Discourse is the way to the solution because great civilizations don't die. They commit suicide. And I think that no, we're on right. a very bad track of becoming so segregated in our thinking. Yeah, I think that's a huge issue because just the technology itself, uh, we were talking about social media, but even the, the mainstream media, uh, they they have everybody, every organization now has become an echo chamber. You know, if you... Um, I watch a lot of American uh, news because I'm interested, because I live there, and because it's an important relationship, uh, our country and their country. And, you know, if you, there's MSNBC that's over here and Fox News that's over here, and, and it's like they are living in two completely different universes. And so the people that have chosen their echo chamber then live in a completely different universe and then when they go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas there's no ability for even family members to talk because they've only been getting part of the story right so we haven't broken down totally that that way but really uh, I uh, maybe I won't even try and defend it I think our I think our media has become very um, pro <laughs> pro those in you you know you dance with the ones that brung you 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 don't the stories that I watch on the news at night sometimes I just shake my head and say my old editor Bruce Phillips at CTV would have sent me back out and said you know where do where are the two sources on that let you know where's the fact base where's you know you don't get to just state your opinion in the closer to your piece there's a difference between opinion commentary and news and those lines have totally totally blurred and so it it just keeps having those ripples out right if you can't talk to your own family at Thanksgiving because you have different inputs and different worldviews, and if you're not willing to say, as we were just discussing, I'm going to stop and listen, okay? I've never thought of it that way. Even if the conversation starts with, I think you're nuts, but I'm going to listen to you, (laughs) then that would be progress, right? (laughs) It would be progress if we could get to that second part, but I'm going to hear you out, right? 
and and we just uh, we just don't do that anymore. <laughs> and it's a real problem. It really is a problem because it goes fundamentally then to political decisions, profound political decisions. Corporate mm-hmm. decisions follow in reaction to those political decisions, right? Because that's the environment in which they're working. So I don't know at what part of this, you know, unvirtuous cycle <laughs> um, that that we can insert our ourselves to say that boys and girls, this isn't working anymore. We got to do something different, uh, very different. And and I don't know where we do that because we're going through a time now of such. Um, you know, call it political correctness or, you know, the woke culture that it's hard to have discussions because you can't go out of the the mainstream, what, what the group in large, you know, in large numbers agrees with or right. anything else. Um, and that that's the only way change happens. If somebody stands up and goes, whoa, hold the phone, you know, this this is just not working anymore, right? We, we need to think about this differently. <laughs> Nobody dares do that. If I can ask a question, it, it's really about, it's going to shift into the world of mentors and, 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 yeah. um, and I'd be really interested to know, because, you know, I, your, your background, it, it, it's astounding when in terms of the accolades, but I know you didn't get there by yourself. Like, no, no you know, <laughs> well, I couldn't get there by myself. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Maybe, but, no, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> but along the way, you must have had, you must have had some, some, some people who, who, who you've come across and mentored you at different times. And, and uh, you, would you be able to talk to me a bit about those relationships? Because it's something that A, I seek and B, I have to, I feel I should be a mentor to somebody yeah. as well. And. But I think it's important to talk about what your experience was. Yeah, I, I that is the only uh, bright spot in all of this is that I do think that that that's the only way into that cycle of um, that we find ourselves in, where where people is is there are still people around from whom we can learn and who are also willing to teach, right? So uh, I already, you know, I've already said this, which is I think I came from a very privileged background, although we were poor. <laughs> it's just that everybody else was poor, so we didn't know we were poor. I didn't know we were poor till I left home, um, because I didn't, because <laughs> I didn't feel poor, you know, and because I had friends and family, and we went to Sunday school and CGIT, and we swam in the summer and we took our toboggans out in the winter like I don't feel that so it starts very early on obviously and and but the thing about mentoring which which I think is just subtle is you don't have to say gee Colin would you mentor me please I would like you to be my mentor because that's kind you know that works to a certain extent I think the onus is on the one that wants to be mentored, the mentee, like listen, listen and watch with what people are doing, people that you respect, people that are successful. Maybe you even want to say, I hate that person, so I'm going to watch them and I'm never going to do anything that they do. <laughs> I'm going to do the opposite of everything that they do. 
Yeah. Those experiences are everywhere, right? You don't have to have this formal, I would like to be mentored. I mean, there's some stuff you want to pass on just about nuts and bolts and how to do it. And, you know, don't do this if you're working for foreign affairs or don't say this on TV, Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But I just really think it's a a constant process. And it, it just, it the onus is on the person that wants to learn. And then everything, everybody becomes a mentor in some way or another. I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm just saying you, that's the part of doing the work. That goes back to taking the stairs. There's no elevator ride, which if you tell me five things, I'm also, I'm going to become a genius, right? And a, and a leader. It's, it, you got to do the work. <laughs> yeah. I'll be vice president tomorrow. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because... I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that because, um, at least for me, it, it kind of validates what I've I've kind of been feeling in terms of most of the mentors I've had. I don't even know if they knew that that they were my exactly. mentors. It was kind of maybe a guerrilla tactic I was using. Right. Sometimes I say, "Can I just kind of hang out with you? Can I just watch right. what you're doing? Can yeah. I listen?" And and um, um, and you know, you've also given me a little bit of an attitude adjustment in terms of those, those that, you know, I thought I never want to be like that person, <laughs> you know, because I've had, uh, I think it was the first time I interviewed for a CEO position. I was not prepared for this particular question, and and one was, you know, can you t- talk about your, you know, your your best experience with with somebody you reported to your best management experience right and mm-hmm. so of course mm-hmm. i was all prepared for that but then they said like okay what was the worst and what did you learn from it <laughs> and uh and, and you know i wasn't prepared for it i probably spilled <laughs> i probably spilled more beans than i should have <laughs> but um when he did this I you think know if i was better prepared i probably would have <laughs> Yeah, I probably would have taken out their name. I would have yeah. done that for sure. Yes. <laughs> yep. I, I, I would have, you know, I, I, I would have cleaned it up a little bit rather yeah. than just blast them. But, right. but that very point, like every, you know, in every loss, there's a lesson, right? Yeah. And 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 I think that was that that was the thing that I learned from the question, and I walked out of the room right. thinking, oh my gosh, I was. I felt like I was slamming this person, but I did learn a lot of things that I never want to do. <laughs> right. That, and that's just as valuable. I mean, it's just totally as valuable as being, uh, you know, all of the things you're going to be nice and kind and empathetic and blah, blah. All that stuff is good. But, you know, you've got to see the mistakes that other people make and go, you know, I would have done that. I'm really glad I got to watch them do it so that I don't do it. I learned mm-hmm. from Mm-hmm. Their failure, and I, you know, I think that's that's the part about just being situationally aware, as we used to say. <laughs> you know, who's right. coming at yeah. you? And from yeah. Experience can be gained vicariously if we're observing it. You, both of you touched on something that um, I want to go back to. We talk about the, the generation, and I think I think mm-hmm. we're Generation X. I think that's what they call us. I think <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just young and good looking. Yeah. I, have no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm a boomer. I'm a boomer. But when, I'm a boomer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, when we go back and how they mark us, and we look at it, one of the things I thought about calling this interviewer a while is 
we're that generation that has the pivot. We're really the pivot. We were used to going to the encyclopedia, the Dewey Decimal System. We didn't have cell phone. We had party lines. And yet now we're that generation also have smartphone. We know about AI, et cetera, et cetera. The millennials don't have that experience that they can grab onto. And I think it's our responsibility to understand that, yeah, they're going to expect some of them. They're not a monolith, but... Some of them yeah. are going to expect to go from being the intern to being the VP the next day because they haven't learned process like we learn process. So it's not really their fault. They can no, type in a word and get all the answers in seconds. Right. We had to go downtown to the library to get information, <laughs> newspaper clippings. My question to, to, to for that is this. Are we as Canadians... Already projecting yeah, us yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. <laughs> to say, you're in. You're in. We ha- are we becoming less? Yeah. <laughs> are we becoming less competitive because we are not teaching our our younger people how to go through struggle and challenge and the process of growth? Are we losing our competitiveness because we have to give everyone a ribbon for participating, and that is becoming okay? Uh, do you find that that is a problem with us? And if we are not competitive, how can we be strong, develop, and stronger leaders? Yeah, I think you've really hit uh, the nail on the head um, with the issue at hand. There are lots of reasons why we're not competitive. Government makes stupid decisions, and so do business leaders from time to time. And there's a whole bunch of things there, but but it is it is always at the core the people who are making those decisions. So we do have that responsibility to mentor, even though they might roll their eyes. You know, like our parents told us, they you know walked five miles to school and they didn't have a school bus and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, and but Uphill. you know, that, yeah, <laughs> both ways. Um, but it does it does stick in your brain. So I do that all the time with the with the younger folks that that I work with. Is I try to tell them something, and I'll you know I'll just even something as straightforward as nine eleven, right? And if you're thirty, you were ten when that happened. Um, you know, even less. You were probably right. seven. It's 2023, right? So you have no reference point about how that changed the world and how all of us who were there or lived anywhere close started to think about all of those things. If uh, I said to one of the um, young guys in my office, I said, oh, yeah, I mean, when I was covering the Falklands War, and he went, What? And I had to explain, and then I realized I was into it, okay, so it was, you know, 1980, 81, um, the Falklands, where's that? Explain that Margaret Thatcher, that the British owned this, and it was an island with some sheep on it, and, and that it was kind of the first live television war where we used video as opposed to film that was sent back. Well, he looked at me sort of, you know, holding up the phone, and he goes, like, we could have shot that with the phone. I said, yeah, if we had the phone, we could have shot that with the phone, but we didn't. (laughs) Um, So, you know, this is, and I'm sure Uh this 
it's like us sitting around hearing war stories about going uphill both ways. Um, but on the other hand, you hope that some of it settles, and they, you know, their first reaction is, "My God, she's a hundred. And then the next reaction was, "I mean, there was a, you know, uh, a war. You mean, and there was political, uh, you know, circumstances that led to it, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And you know, so we do have to tell some stories. And you guys talked about this at the beginning that that it is a way to impart information without lecturing and without, you know, if your stories are interesting enough, maybe they'll maybe they'll figure out how you got from point A to point B, and that you did do the heavy lifting, and that they can't just say, "I've been here for four years. Now I want to be." king or queen because I always got the ribbon. I always got the ribbon when I was in school. I always won the race, even though I never won the race. Um, So we do have to, you know, not give uh, ribbons for showing up in our own workplaces. And then you get to make the rules if you're, you know, in charge. And then they will learn. I mean, and if they don't want to learn, they can quit and go somewhere else. I feel the same way about people who don't want to go back to work. Okay. You don't want to go back to work? That's fine. I'll find somebody who wants to come to work, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> because that's the other thing. I mean, how am I going to be a leader and lead people if I don't know what they look like or what they're doing? And I don't want to get into some tracking game on their computers yeah. and, you know, see how many hours they sat in front of the computer all day and judge their ability on that. No. I want you to show up in the office. I'm going to see if you're a team player. I'm going to watch how your brain works. And then we'll make some decisions. But I'm not going to do it if you're at home. And, and the reality is, to be effectively, you got to find a way to engage. If you can never see right. a person, be the you know, yeah. you're, you're never able to fully engage. And right. uh, and, and that's true with with any relationship. Yeah, for um, sure. And, and I realize we're we're we're, we're approaching you know we're approaching our time here, and, and I want to respect your time, uh, Senator. And I do talk I, a I, lot. I've got you I've got stuff. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could talk for hours. I mean, ask Same here. Same here. <laughs> so I, I ain't got no problem talking. That, yeah, that's, that's not my issue. <laughs> you're, you're amongst you're amongst colleagues here. Yeah, yes, I just like want I just want to respect your time. I mean, yeah, so, no, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll be good. If we were out at your place, we'd we'd start a fire and we'd you know yeah. we yeah. you know have some drink and have some marshmallows. Cocktail hour somewhere, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we've got I, I've got the privilege here, and and I mean this sincerely, Cavus. I've got the privilege of having two people who've who through their careers um, very public, um, and you know, both had to deal with, yes, things that were great accolades, great successes, but also had yeah. to deal with, with failures. And, you know, one of the things that, and, and, and to me, out in public, in front of everybody, yeah. you know, Gabe, uh, you've been a, a coach for many years, you've been a player, a coach, a general manager, um, and and always managing talent of some sort. And, and, you know, you'd make your efforts, your best efforts, and things still don't work out. And, um, Senator, you, you, you made a comment, which I, one of the first things I wrote down when you last spoke for me, which, which um, you know, you quoted Izzy Asper, was, if at first yeah. you don't succeed, welcome to the club. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I really appreciated that because, yeah. you know, I felt coming up, I felt the pressure that, oh, if I failed, 
whether in, in front of my board or, or you yeah. know, in, in front of my manager, and, but you know, becoming executive now, it's in front of board uh, and boards of directors has been, man, a failure. If I don't succeed, I am a failure. <laughs> and and it was true. very difficult to accept. Yeah. No, I think yeah. um, we'll, we'll, we all have thoughts on this, but I think what, what you need to be able to do is, and it's sometimes disarming, uh, even for boards, right? To say, look, I screwed up. I, I actually thought I was on the right path, and, but I hadn't thought it all through. So, you know, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it needs to be more than that when you're standing in front yeah. of the board. But I think if you acknowledge that, um, that that sometimes gives other people, because they've all been through it too, right? That's right. the thing. And they're sitting there that day going, geez, I'm glad it's him, not me. Uh, you know, because you remember the time that it was you. Right? Yeah. So I think as long as you're saying to people, you know, I, I, this may cost me my job. I, I understand that. But I just want to tell you that I thought I was on the right track for this reason. And when I was halfway down and I figured out it was on the wrong track and I, I couldn't turn around. So it won't happen again. But, you know. Like, I just think we, we all need to be able to do that. And if you're in an environment where you can't do that, then you may be in the wrong environment. Right, right. You know, for you, if that's who you are, right? If you, and, and so that, you know, you want to say that to people in politics all the time. Like, just once in a while, admit you were wrong, <laughs> that you made a mistake. And maybe people would like you better because... Yeah. We've all made mistakes, right? So, yeah. But we don't yeah. give people room to do that, and so right. you sometimes have to take the room to do it, but you have to know that it might come at a cost. Right. No, Cavis, what, what, your, your thoughts on this one? Oh, no, it's, uh, I think uh, she hit it right on. We, as leaders, I think people expect you to be perfect. And the only perfect person they crucified, so I, I think I don't want to be that. Um, and and you're looked at through a lens of perfection when all of us, as you said earlier, Colin, have warts. And when you, as a leader, are able to say, "I made a mistake," that's not weakness. That is true strength because you can be introspective and you can be self-critical. And you can understand that through mistakes you get better. I think it was Frederick Douglass that said, "Without struggle, there's no progress." I'll just mm -hmm. amend that a little bit. Without some failure, you'll never know and understand, appreciate success. And I think exactly. people forget that failing is a part of the process, and you don't gain everything uh, right away, as you guys said. So that's my thing. Unfortunately. I think it's keeping a lot of people out of the arena. I think a lot of people are more concerned about what people say about them and what they think about them versus what they know they actually really are. And confidence, as you say, is one of those foundational core, uh, Senator Wallen. I believe that we need to accentuate that word far more. We need to have confidence in who we are and what we're striving to do versus worrying about the, the court of public opinion. I, I really, really agree with that. And I think, look, a little bit of that comes with age and experience, too. You know, um, when you've been through a lot, it, you know, the, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't threaten you as much as it does when you're younger. But if you as a leader 
are admitting weakness and flaws and failures. I don't mean every day. Yeah. Yeah. You probably should be up there yeah. either. Yeah. Um, that's that's but, incompetent. It's <laughs> a competence issue. Yeah. Uh, then that gives the, the ones, that, like you're mentoring again by that very process, right? By, by doing that in front of not just uh, the, the higher ups, but the the underlings, right? And then they're saying, "Oh my God, he's he's not perfect, and she's not perfect." And you know, I, I think that's really, I think I think that's a responsibility that we do have um, as leaders to be honest about this stuff because you can't help people if if you're not honest about it. Oh wow! So I got the two of the smartest people in the country. On either side of my screen here, clearly. Only wow. one, only one, only one. Do we only have to one. send them a box for yeah. <laughs> You only have one. You only have one, college. <laughs> it is not me. <laughs> no, that's not true. Oh, man. So, um, Senator, this, there's a question we ask, we've been asking every guest and um, at, at, at the end of it. And, and really, you know, Kavis and I have been mapping out and trying to track if we had the opportunity to describe a prototypical, we're, we're trying to design the prototypical leader. Mm-hmm. And in terms of identifying, I feel it's the most important attribute or the most important um, skill, character element. For you, what would you feel would be the the most part, and so we, we've been it, essentially we're kind of doing this poll because we found it yeah. interesting. The patterns are happening, so I'm not going to tell you the outcome. It's not like a, it's not like an Ipsos read poll. Not yet. Get, no, not yet. Not yet. But I would okay. love to hear. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and if you would share them uh, with, with us. Okay, so I'm going to go to a military guy uh, because I like the way the military operates. The rules are clear. Everybody knows what their job is. And, and there's a chain of command, right? So uh, it's clear. But Norman Schwarzkopf, who, who ran operations in Iraq, um, said, you know, when going into battle, right, the two most important things are character and strategy. And if you have to be without one, be without the strategy. Um, because you just need that core. We talked about at the beginning, the moral core, the sense of right and wrong. If you if you develop that in yourself, we all have it, you know. Um, and if you develop that and practice that, then you don't need to know all the answers to the question. You will know how to react in a certain situation, right? That's the thing. You can't plan it all out. So he could have a strategy for war, but if somebody, you know, um, bombs headquarters, then, you know, that's a problem. So you just, and that's the, that's what we have to teach others is you've got to rely. You can't know all the answers in all of those situations and what's going to happen and is a pandemic going to unfold and, you know, you can't predict all of that. But you've got to, I don't know, trust your gut. Um, and, and you've got to have enough confidence in who you are and your ability to do the right thing or at least have the right intent um, that you will survive most of this. So it's one of those amorphous words, but character and core, that that's just it. You can learn how to do anything else. But it but if you don't have that sense at, at in your being of what is right and what is wrong, what is fair and what is unfair, then 
it doesn't matter what they try to teach you. You've just you've got to bring that to the table. The rest of it's a detail, right? The rest of it you'll figure out. Whatever business you're in, it doesn't matter. Um, it can be politics or making widgets. It doesn't matter. You if you you need to have that. So that you know that's the, the hardest thing in the world to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can only lead by example. Cavis. You, you, you want to close this out, man? Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep going. Is what I, I want. Got, to <laughs> <laughs> what uh, I, well, okay. I'll, I'll, a couple of cleanup points because because Senator Wall, you've got you've got your website pamelwallam which yes. has got your links to to your podcasts, which you've got yeah. some terrific podcasts and interviewing. You just go right super- to the podcast. No nonsense, with Pamelwall. <laughs> You don't have to stop at the but, website. But, yeah. but I was looking like I was looking at the photo galleries, and it's like, yeah. I mean, you're fi- high fiving with like presidents and prime ministers <laughs> all over the place. I told you, I'm old. I'm old. I've been a lot of places. I've been old. <laughs> and you've got great hair in all of them. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> I've never had that opportunity to have green hair anywhere. (laughs) I I may choose your option. No, I really, honestly, I do believe I've had a really, um, you know, lucky, charmed life. But you work hard to have a lucky, charmed life, right? I mean, uh, and so, but I have, you know, look, it's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm so glad, and I fell into this accidentally, right? I'm the total accidental journalist. I was going to be saving souls up there in the penitentiary, you know, um, for the rest of my life. That was my mission. Um, but then, you know, you, I, a friend of mine called and said, Would you, could you come down and fill in on an open line show, radio, and could your boss give you a couple of days off? He did. I walked into that room, and I just went, okay, this is, you know, now you're saving souls a whole bunch of people at a time because it's something called an audience. Um, and, you know, so I just, I feel like things have been put in front of me, but you have to be willing to say yes. You gotta, you gotta take the risk, right? And then, cause there's lots of things there. There's, we always think that, you know, you go to the job every day and that's it, and you wait and get your cold watch and all that stuff. That's just not the world anymore. Um, but you, you do have to, you have to take a risk. And then you, then you get to have hair. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna make an observation, and it hopefully yes. this gets me more points at home as well. I've noticed <laughs> that the women in Saskatchewan, my wife has extraordinary hair. Colin, your wife has extraordinary hair. Like uh-huh. I've noticed, the women in Saskatchewan, their hair are just always. I'm. I was going through my head, going, "Can I?" figure out one time that the women in Saskatchewan don't have almost perfectly manicured here. My in-laws all have perfectly manicured here. There you go. Isn't a Saskatchewan thing? I think Please. it's a Saskatchewan thing. No, uh, in my case, my mother was a teacher and she never went out of the house unless she was properly dressed because she was a role model. And that meant having her hair done. And my sister and I actually owned a hairdressing salon in Wadena for a while. Oh, we- <laughs> We we were not hairdressers, but we felt it was important because every lady in town went and got her hair done once a week. And, you know, when the hairdresser died, we sort of 
thought we needed to fill that gap. So I do think it's uniquely Saskatchewan. See, see Colin, <laughs> we found something else. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's something else. I don't think that's anywhere on any <laughs> any Wikipedia anywhere on you. <laughs> breaking so, news. Now yeah, we're this is, breaking news. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, Senator, th- thank you. Um, uh, it thank was you for doing fun. this. I, I, uh, would you, would you ever come on with us again? <laughs> sure, I would. Sure, okay. I would. But okay. I think you're awesome. doing a really good thing because we've got to talk about how we deal. And, and your point, Tavis, about the, the new generation not, you know, having the reference points and all, like, this is crucial stuff. I, I'm going to be serious for a, more, a moment here and really say that, that I think this is important. It's it's what lacking, and I don't know if we can teach courses in leadership, but we have to make it more part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, well, thank you, uh, and, and thank you for joining us on, on Ball Leadership today. Uh, again, uh, Senator Pamela Wallen, uh, if you want to ever look on our website, it's PamelaWallen.com. <laughs> and, um, and, and if you're ever passing through Wadena, I'm sure you'll see the sign. Yeah, uh, that, there's a sign that says this is where she lives. <laughs> and, uh, and you will drive down Pamela Wallen Drive for just yeah. a little bit of, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's wonderful. So again, thank you. Um, yeah. Great and, to and meet thanks, you, Thanks Travis. for the time. And and good to see you again, Colin. It was really good. And you're just cute as buttons with your little bald heads. I just <laughs> we always close by asking our guests to stay bald. Stay bald. Yeah. <laughs> and and you can you can try as hard as you want. Don't you don't have to actually do that. But I won't do that. Though. Get a little bathing cap next time I come on, just so you know. I can be part of the game. I I, I like this. Yeah, let's like SCTV or something again. All right. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Bye, we'll see you again.